is Pastor Price Wright. He is one of the pastors of one of our New City campuses. What makes uh, New City really unique is there's, you know, we love our church here at New City in Edgerton, but God is working through our church in multiple cities throughout the Kansas City area. So your, your giving, your love, your prayers go beyond just this municipality, just beyond this city uh, to millions of people. And so we're striving together as a new city uh, ministry and church to reach as many people as we possibly can for the glory of God. And I love uh, this man. I just got the privilege of hearing him preach for the first time this morning. And so, uh, man, I, I used uh, a word for him this morning just from how I knew him personally, which was humility. Uh, but I would also add to that list of character traits is preacher. And uh, he loves God. He loves his wife and family. He loves you. And so may I introduce to you uh, the Prince of Preachers, Pastor Price Wright. Give him a big hearty welcome. Wow. Wow, wow man. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's very interesting. It's interesting that you would say that, Jay. And the reason why it's interesting is because uh, Mama Cheryl Moreland, who went here, who, who went here four years ago when we got ready to launch. So it was three years when we launched, right? We were here for four years. We served for eight months here in Edgerton, serving on worship, serving First Impressions, Kid City, getting ready for what we would do in Raytown. The, one of the first books within the first eight months being in Raytown, she gave me was The Prince of Preachers. And so when you said that, it meant something different to me because it's something God is saying to me. And what I loved about him is that he believed in preaching the good news of Jesus Christ every time. That he preached. So today is my second time preaching, but I, if you came in the room expecting me to go easier, I will not. I am passionate about the good news of Jesus Christ. So you will hear me kind of preach at you. I'm not preaching at you. I hope I'm preaching with you in your spirit as you rejoice for what we know to be true. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, when this is over, you can't say you don't know him because you're going to leave hearing something about him, whether you receive the gift or not, will be up to you. So my wife is not here with me, so let me pump the brakes real quick. My beautiful wife. Erica Wright is not here. She's at home, maybe watching online right now. And we have five boys, uh, Price, Princeton, Praxton, Presley, Prome. We said we were done three boys ago. We was trying to get that girl, but God had other plans. And so uh, I believe we're done now. And so uh, with that said, I miss them today, but glad to be here uh, in the house of the Lord in this, this great place, Edgerton. Uh, the, the dad joke, the dad joke that Casey always made was, we started out here across from the cows, and now we're across from a McDonald's. And so, uh, he, Casey always, I, I told you it's a dad joke, okay? I love Casey. Casey Carter has been an outstanding man of God. I don't just puff him up because he's not here and I'm in his place. He's entrusted me with being here. Uh, I got to see him when I first came, and I always say this, he looked so much like Jesus. Not that he looked like Jesus, I believe probably Jesus. I don't know how Jesus looked, right? But I don't, I don't believe Casey necessarily looked like Jesus might have looked. But Casey's actions, his attitude, uh, the desire not only to speak that he wants to make disciples, but the actions to make disciples, right? Having a pastor and a shepherd's heart. Man, I love those things, and I could speak about it all day because I've been right there with him uh, in a D group you know, to see the passion uh, and just the passion he has for the people of God. So I wanted to share that this morning real quick before I dive into the Word. Uh, if there's nothing else you know about me, do know I love Jesus with all my heart, my mind, and my spirit. And so I'm going to share this, uh, this today. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're doing the KC, the One KC series. Uh, you've probably heard it multiple weeks, so I'm not going to go into what it's all about. But One KC is where we switch 
different churches and campuses. We partner with people. New City, we chose to do it this way because a lot of us haven't been to the other campuses. So we took this opportunity for the pastors to switch campuses. But I was on the phone with 99 people around the world who are doing this same commitment and the same mission. Other languages were all doing the same thing, leading towards the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is a powerful movement that says one Lord, one church, one faith, one word. Right? We can keep going on the ones, but we stand together under the blood-stained banner of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth. Can I get a witness? God is faithful. So today in John chapter 14, that's where we're going to go. But I want to give you the context of what that scripture looks like. Because from 13 to 17, there's a, uh, uh, an event happening. From 13, chapter 13 to chapter 17, there's an event happening. It's the, it's the Last Supper. And Jesus, if you look at it on the pages, whether it's in your Bible app or your actual scriptures, you'll see Jesus uh, giving them all the instructions. And, and he's, he's taking off his towel to go down and wash feet. He's, he's, he's giving all of these great nuggets to his intimate followers who are right there with him in the room. And as he's sharing and giving all these intimate instructions, he begins to say, you've got to know the way, follow the way. And one of his followers, Thomas, who is a doubter and a skeptic in his heart, which some of us would at some point found ourselves being there, a doubter and a skeptic. I'm no longer there. I'm like the book of James says, I'm not double-minded, unstable in all my ways. I'm very solid on the truth of the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no more doubt in my mind. I believe in the Son of God who came and rose. I believe in the Word of God. It's my ultimate source of authority. And I pray that one day you'll have that same confidence in who God is in your life. Because if you have that confidence, you're going to walk different. You're going to live different. You're going to talk different. Your giftings are going to show different because the deposit of the Holy Spirit of God in your life is going to come out in a way that maybe you've never experienced. So today I need you to know how powerful this is. Thomas was doubting. And I think some of us would have been doubting too if we had assumptions of what Jesus had come to do. They had their assumptions rooted and grounded in their own desires and their own wants. How often do we have our own desires and our own assumptions rooted in what we want and not what God wants? The prayer Jesus says in the garden, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come and not my will be done, but God, your kingdom come and your will be done. If you're living for yourself, I promise you, the way uh, is, the way is broad that leads to destruction. The way is narrow that leads to life. If you are trying to follow your own path, there's a dead end. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, man or woman, human. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. If you're not following the way Jesus has given us, you are headed to the wrong place. In your life, in your spirit, in your eternity. God says, I want you right now. So he says this finally. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I'll repeat that. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, he answers, he answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, listen, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That word, the way, the Hebrew of that word is hodos. That word stands for a way, road, journey, or path. I like the deeper meanings there. A road, an implication is, is progress that you're making as you're on the way. When I'm looking down this narrow aisle here, I'm seeing a very direct way that leads towards the back. If I take any other route, I'm going to be tripping over chairs, falling over you, maybe falling in a lap, and a guy with the blue hoodie on, I'll be falling over him. He'll be like, man, get off me. I don't know you. But if I take this way here, 
It's going to lead me right towards the door. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the way. I'm the door. I'm the way that's going to make entry for you to have abundant life, but you have to come through me. And there is no other way. Not only is there, there is no other way, I am the way. That I am is powerful, right? It's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, right? He's the author, finisher, and perfecter of our faith. God is outside of time speaking into time. He is all-encompassing. So he says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Progress. In my life, I, uh, I told a story the first service about walking towards school, 15, about 15, 20-minute walk every single day, and it was a way. But the second service, there was a different thing that came to my mind. I was going on a blind date before I met my wife. And if you're watching, wife, I love you. And I'm not going to talk about the whole date. But driving to the date, this was before we had GPS. So I was using a map. You ain't that old. No, but I had a flip phone. And the GPS wasn't that good. Some of y'all don't even know what a flip phone is. I had a flip phone. And I was trying to get to this place based off my memory. Do you know what we had to do back in that time? We had to go to Google on the computer and print off the map and then go, Okay, I'm turning here. Okay, I'm going to turn there. We didn't have the GPS telling us, turn here on 63rd Street. We didn't have that. So I was flipping through the pages trying to figure out where I'm going, and I took some wrong turns. I was lost and confused. Some of us here, we're lost and confused, even as believers, because we've lost our way on what God is calling us to do at this time. We're saying, God, I know that you've called me. I know I've been born again. I know I have your grace. I know I have those things, but I'm having a hard time figuring out where you want me to go. God's saying you're lost and confused because you're not eating the word and the bread of life. Because you're not eating, it's hard to see. There's some haziness and some cloudiness there. We're starting to grasp after that haze and that cloud. And God is saying, man, I want to clear all that out and make it clear for you, but I need you to focus. Focus on me. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, those that keep their minds on the Lord will have perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's a promise. There's a lot of probabilities in the Proverbs. But that's a promise that God made in Isaiah, right? It tells us, if you do this, this will be the outcome. In my life, I have experienced the peace that only comes from the Father. It ain't the peace you get from getting the stuff that you want. It's the peace that comes from submission and obedience to the King of Kings. Many of us, a lot of us have trouble with that word, submission, and the other word, obedience. When we hear that, we hear, I don't need that in my life. I want to do what I want to do. But God says, you'll never have full life until you learn that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way for you to experience the best life unless you embrace his word. Don't waste your time taking alternate routes that lead to dead ends. Jesus answered in six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That name way was used early in the believer's life. It was used by Saul, who was killing Christians at the time. In chapter nine, Acts chapter nine, it says, but Saul that's before his name was changed. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters uh, to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. I wrote this. The way has always had some form or attachment to persecution. In your life as a believer, there is no way for you to escape it. Persecution comes through people who don't like you, who don't like your decisions and choices, not to hang out with them anymore in the places they seek to go because you don't do things anymore the way they used to, that, that you used to do. Why? You've been born again. And here's the reality. Every one of us in this room was born into sin. Every single one of you all were born, and myself, we were born into sin. 
who were slaves to sin. But Jesus Christ came to make us free in righteousness. That freedom is a gift that comes only through God, through his son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I love the next part. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world may be saved. Guess what? The world was condemned already. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but by me. Here's what happens. Because you were born in sin, the Bible says you deserve death for the wage of sin. The pay for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You can't earn it. I love this story. My parents had a tree, huge Christmas tree. It was a a, a, pine tree. So pine trees all over the floor. We had to clean it up. But it smelled amazing. Get up in the morning. Smelled like Christmas in there. I heard a comedian, I think it was Jim Gaffigan, say, like a drunk man. You got a tree inside. You got the lights outside. What the heck is going on? Some of you are like, oh, he's a pastor. He listened to Jim Gaffigan. I think Jim Gaffigan is a Christian, I think, Catholic. So anyway, all that said, but I had that tree, and under the tree were gifts and presents. During Christmas, I would go and take the present that was given to me freely, and I would open it, and it would be something there. I didn't earn that gift. I didn't do anything to deserve that gift. One time, we opened it up, and it was a brand new PlayStation. When PlayStation first came out, I couldn't believe it. I had the controllers in the game, and man, I think we played on that thing until it broke. We, we loved it, right? But I did not earn that gift. My parents, with the love of their heart, gave me that gift. Jesus is saying, I have a gift I want to give to you that's free. Will you receive it? Why? Because the pay for sin is death, and every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when you receive the gift of God in Christ Jesus, then you have life and you can walk the narrow way that leads to life. I said there's a a road that leads to destruction. Some of us don't want to take this road because then we got to stop doing all the things we want to do. Some of us don't want to go here. Because that leads, that's that's too much what somebody else wants me to do. I want to take this broad road where Jesus says, that leads to destruction. I'm challenging you. Take the narrow way. Eat the bread of life so you're not starving. This morning, I brought up a gum example. I said, some of us have been eating bubble gum so long, and we were tricking ourselves into thinking we're filling our stomachs. After a while, if you're eating bubble gum, it's not going to fill you. You trick yourself. But it doesn't work that long. One of the guys pulled out a big pack of bubble gum this morning and said, man, that was funny. I actually had a big pack of bubble gum in my pocket. The point is, Jesus wants you to eat the bread. Because when you eat the bread, then your soul is full. Your soul is refreshed. Psalms says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down into green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Only God can restore what he has given. And if you trust him, he's going to restore you. So even though persecution is going to come, Matthew 5 says this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Even though persecution may come, Jesus calls you blessed. And persecution comes because who you have in you is not who's in the world. But the Bible says, greater is he is in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm trusting God that he's going to direct my path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I love it. I repeat it all the time. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Americans, we got to hear that. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God. He shall direct your path. He'll make it straight. But will you trust him? Jesus will always be the only way. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. I love reading biographies. 
And when I read biographies, which I normally I read, I read about leaders, great leaders who led expeditions and, and presidents and things like that, it's amazing that the same spirit in these people all the way back in Napoleon's time, those who had Jesus Christ, they still they have the same residue that I have in my life right now. It looks no different. They have that same Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit wants to fill you and sit on you. But it comes when you, when you embrace the gift that God has given. And when you do, it's that reminder that Jesus went to that cross. He hung up there on that cross. They beat him, bloody, spit on him. They crucified him. They took those whips out and they smacked his back. If you say, man, I've heard this before. You need to hear it again because we're forgetful. We forget what matters because why? We get caught up in the cares of the world. We chase after the mist. We run after things that do not matter with an eternal perspective. But God says, I want you to focus on me, and I'm going to bless not only your temporary, but your eternal. Because you're following what I have for you. You have to change your perspective and put on the mind of Christ. Become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't care how you were born. The Bible says you will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are what? Born again. I don't care what your proclivities, how many mistakes you've made. I do not care. Jesus says you must be born again. And then when you're born again, as you're walking with the Lord, if you find yourself jumping in big old ugly mud puddles, don't do that. But he's a good father. And he gives good gifts. My son would walk down the street with me. I would be leading him. He'd be going down the street. He'd just be walking, bobbing his head. This one, he was about four years old. He'd be bobbing his head, walking. He's not here now. He's almost my height, right? He's walking, bobbing his head. He'll just jump in a mud puddle. And I'm like, man, what, what are you doing? And I'd be ready to get mad. But God would tug on me and say, isn't that you? Isn't that you so often? You're just ignorant sometimes of some things that you're doing that I'm not pleased with. And you find yourself in situations and you're saying, God, why am I here? Why is this happening to me? And God is saying, you just won't listen. You won't eat my word. You won't embrace my spirit. If you embrace the spirit of God, he's going to direct your path. I am a living witness. Then not only will he direct your path, but he will give you increase in his timing for his kingdom purposes, for his will. As you follow what he's given you, I don't care if you live in Zambia or wherever and you got goats and cows, God will increase what he needs to for his kingdom purposes to be done or he'll take away what he needs to in order to make you get it right that we're not here just to get sustainability from this world. We're here to get our focus on what God has called us to. And when we do that and trust him, he's going to be with us. He's going to direct us because we're reminded that he is the only way, the truth and the life. I'm going to go through this. I want to get through. I got like one minute left. The way. Hodos, the truth, Aletheia, and the life, Zoe, Z-O-E, Zoe, Zoe, you can say this Hebrew is Greek, right? But I want to give you this, the truth. Uh, Pilate, John 18, 37 through 38, he says this. Then Pilate said to him, this is Jesus standing before one of the political leaders of the day. Pilate says to Jesus, speaking of truth, so you are a king? He asked him a question. So you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? The question I have for you, are you listening to the voice of the Lord? If he is your shepherd, you should be hearing his voice. The sheep's gate was made for the sheep. They would stay inside the gate and they would eat at nighttime. He kept them away from the wolves and the thieves. But sometimes the wolves and the thieves would come over the gate. It's my bell. But that sheep's gate was four to five feet high, maybe five and a half feet from every rendering that you see. It had a door on the front of it. And that door would be opened by the shepherd to let the sheep in and out. This is all in Jerusalem and Israel. And those sheep would go in and out and they would eat of the abundance that was there 
in the land. Remember, they were still in the world. There were still animals that could destroy them. There were still thieves that could kill them. And according to David in the Old Testament, there were lions and bears that would come as well sometimes. And what would the shepherd do? He would lay his life down for the sheep. A good shepherd would lay his life down for the sheep. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's laid his life down for you. Not so you could do what you want to do, but so you could embrace his will and since him raise you up to be all that he's created you to be. You have gifts. You are unique. Your life is like a thumb, my fingerprint. You have your own way God has called you to be. You have effect on your family, whether you know it or not. If you've embraced Jesus, you are the light that's set on the hill. The Holy Spirit is shining through you, and he wants you to keep shining that light. Let your light shine before men and women. Let your light shine. And when you let your light shine, you will exponentially multiply. When you do it intentionally, you will make disciples. You will see lives change as you embrace the mission and the call of God. Here's the last thing I want to leave you with. Romans 10 and 9. Jesus is the way, truth, and life. But Romans 10 and 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the bread. And finally, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Stand to your feet. God is faithful. God is good. and He deserves all praise. Today, if you heard the word and pierced your heart, if you heard the message and the good news of Jesus Christ through us talking about what Jesus did at the Last Supper, I pray that it has blessed you. God's word has went out and it never goes out void. So I know you're going to embrace and go forward and do all God's called you to do. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word of truth. I just praise you for uh, everyone in this room, for this church, for this family, for this body. In the first service, I pray for the effectiveness of, the, of this body. In this service, I pray that your spirit will continue to be heavy and rest heavy on these faithful believers. For those that are not faithful and don't know you, I pray that they would receive the gift of life. I pray their focus would be intentional and that you would lift them up and lead them where you want them to be. As Jay begins to pray and the worship team sings to lead us out, we just thank you. We thank you and we give you praise. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to share with your people. I just thank you. I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. amen.